every person who ever lives on this earth either has been or will be touched by generation. Every generation is squeezed between two other generations. I want you for a few moments to think of someone from an older generation than your own who has touched you. Just bring to mind someone of an older generation who has touched or helped shape your life. You see, we are touched by generation. Parenting. 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 It's been going on for generations. And parenting can be some of the most difficult and challenging and hard and rewarding work one can ever do. Parents are important. And so the other side of the question of how have we been touched, how have we been shaped by other generations, is how will we shape, how will we touch the younger generation? You don't have to be a parent to have the opportunity to touch someone younger than yourself. You can come through work, through neighborhood associations, friendships, other groups, organizations you're a part of. I've been blessed to be working with the youth groups and to realize that maybe in some small way I get the opportunity to touch a younger generation. But think about how you can touch those who are younger than yourself. Some lives are long-lived. We mourn the loss of President Bush, who lived to the rich age of 94. And we have some in our congregation older than that. (laughs) And yet some lives are cut way too short. But every single life is valuable, is precious. Every single life matters. In Genesis, the book of the origins of creation is this telling of how we came into being. God decided in God's good time that we should be created in God's image. Male and female. You heard the story. You know the story. We don't understand it all, but we know the story of our origins. And then, in Matthew's book, comes the story of origin of Jesus Christ. And The reason I wanted Jim to read 
that entire text is so that you would feel the weight and the magnitude of generations. People will never know, never knew. But to know that they are part of our faith tradition and part of the story. Were there exactly 14 generations between the first human beings and King David? Were there exactly 14 generations between King David and the deportation to Babylon? Were there exactly 14 generations from then to the birth of Jesus Christ? We don't know. But that's what the story tells us. There's a reason for those numbers, by the way. There are three groupings of 14. Three is a very holistic number. It's the most whole number there is. That's why we have a trinity. Three. There's God again. <laughs> um, and the number seven is a very whole number. Seven days of creation, right? And 14 is what? Seven times two. It takes two parents to make a human being. And so for each of the generations represented that Jim read from, presumably there was a man and a woman we heard mostly the men's names because that was the time they lived in. I've got to keep an eye on my time here. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to keep us moving here. Um, but there were three groups of 14 generations symbolizing that it took two human beings to bring each of those generations, hence the 14. And so then we come to Jesus, the birth of Jesus. Now, it's very interesting. Have you ever, you ever wondered this? Matthew goes to a great deal of trouble to name all these names. And it brings us to Joseph, who if you read the story all the way through, you recognize Joseph didn't have anything to do with Jesus' physical birth. Did he? Not if we believe in a virgin birth. Huh. Well, that's kind of interesting. So what's one to believe? Virgin birth? No virgin birth. Is Jesus part of the lineage of David or not? Well, whether you take the story literally at face value and believe in the virgin birth, then Joseph adopted Jesus as God's son. Or if you take it to be a myth and a story about it, but that maybe Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, but two human beings came together. And out of love, Jesus was born. But the story later came to embellish it and understand it a different way. Then God adopted Jesus as God's son. But in both cases, there is this power of adoption. Now, presumably, each and every one of us was born thanks to a male and a female. Right? So, the book of origins, Matthew is about who? Jesus. 
It's a book of origins about us, too. And whose we are. And who's adopted us. Whose child are we really? Well, thanks to Alice and Phil, I'm here. But you know whose child I really am? God's. They taught me that, and I know it's true. And I think it's true for you, too. I think it's true for you, too. Your identity is as a child of God. God's trying to say something to us. I just haven't quite figured out what it is. Maybe that's my signal to stop. Well, that's really what I want to say this morning. Is that you are a child of God right now, right here. And the whole book of Matthew tells us how that is and what we're to do. It's to be an authentic person, a real person created in God's image as God's own. It's that simple and it's that difficult. That's the joy and the reward of faith. And so we're promised resurrection, new life, today. Now. It begins now. We don't have to wait until the end for some big reward. Because the cycle of generations is life and death and life and death and life and death. But by faith, we know that our cycle is life and life and more life, regardless of when our time on earth is over. And that's the hope and the promise of the Christian and Christmas message. And let's celebrate it this season with joy and thanksgiving. Amen.